Hello and welcome back to the Philosophy Guys show. So today I'm going to be doing a, another response video just because you guys seem to like it last time. I'm responding to Capturing Christianity, which is a kind of a, a popular Christian apologetics YouTube channel. Um, so I'm responding to his video about who created God, where he puts forward an argument that follows that, or sorry, that allows God to exist without a cause. And it's also re- his response to the objection that atheists put forward and and just agnostics, I guess you could say as well, that put forward where they say, well, who created God when they, when they talk about who created the universe? Because a lot of times Christians want to say that God is the creator. We need, we need a creator. We need a cause. Therefore, it's God. Obviously, I oversimplify and that's not a good way to express it. We'll, we'll be getting into that. But um, so I will say that. So the question of who created God is often an objection to this cosmological argument or the belief in God in general. Now, of course, a question isn't a good rebuttal, but this question is often raised with this common argument to follow, and I'll get into that as well. So I will say before we get into it, so I'm going to be including the reason I'm doing this is people tended to like the other response videos I did with like PragerU and Ben Shapiro stuff and all that good stuff. Um, and so this is basically, it'll include audio from the YouTube video where I respond to it. And if you guys have been following my content, you know that I made a YouTube video of it, but this is the more podcast version where I kind of include more of his audio and I have more of my audio uh, and kind of more free flowing and podcast friendly. I like to call it podcast friendly version just because, you know, content on YouTube and content on podcasting is different, different formats, different ways of presenting. Uh, in YouTube, I have the, you know, more of that sort of presentation. You can get his visual aspect and his visual representation. And then you can also get my visual representation on my end and it's more concise version. And obviously, I still like to keep my stuff concise for the podcast, but it's concise in a different way, if that, if that makes sense. I try to explain that the best I can. Anyway, the point is, I like to kind of not overlap my content, but use my content in different ways to kind of feed different avenues of, of consuming content through podcasting, writing, and YouTube. So speaking of YouTube, you could also help support the show by checking out my YouTube using the link below. I could really appreciate your help. I'm trying to get that going and get that to at least the level my podcast is with listeners um, and, and get monetized on YouTube and whatnot. So you can really help me out there by subscribing, uh, watching the videos all the way through, and then commenting and getting a discussion going there as well. But as always, you can also check out the Discord where we can keep chats going there. Uh, the Patreon for the bonus episode feed where I include some more content. And then what else for notes for where we get it started? Um, and also I am doing my, I'm trying to do an email list. I have this email list going with a few hundred people. And I would like to utilize that to kind of keep everything organized um, and kind of a weekly update of where all my content's coming and all the content updates so that people don't have to keep hopping around at different platforms to figure out what the hell I'm doing. Um, so if you'd like to keep up to date with that, Discord is a good way to do that, but also email list is probably the, the most organized and probably least of a hassle for many people. So if you can do that, you know, use the link below and, and subscribe to the email list. So let's get into it. So before we start the video, so what I'm going to address is Cam- Cameron, who runs the channel, his his re- his rejection to this question. Then I'll address the cosmological argument because he gets into some material around that. And then stay tuned for the end where I put forward a little bit more abstract point about the question of the universe, God, and needing a cause. Essentially, at the end, I'll try to answer the question, does the universe need a cause? And kind of like, you know, what question should we actually be asking? Is it a good question? Is it who created God? Or should we be asking a different question? All right. So let's, uh, let's get into it.
everybody, I'm Cameron Bertuzzi. You're watching the eighth video in a playlist of videos responding to 20 arguments against God's existence. The link to the playlist is right in the description. With that out of the way, let's get into the eighth video. Who created God? And how does your answer to that make any sense? No one. So, uh, before <laughs> I do want to clarify. So, the per so you heard Cameron. He Cameron was the voice at the beginning of the video, and then you have the next guy. Um, it's a, I know it's a it's like a it's like an atheist YouTuber. Uh, <laughs> I don't actually know who he is. So someone can let me know in in like an email <laughs> or on Discord. Um, I just know he's he's somewhat I guess popular. He's not very praised because he, he kind of does some like cheap attacks on theism, which I'm not about doing. But anyway, it's uh, Cameron's doing a response video to all these different types of videos. So that's that's the person that's raising the question for us to kind of set the stage for us for you. So let's see what Cameron has to say to the response of who created God. One created God. He's proceeding to drink water. <laughs> the... This is just kind of silly. So yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> just skip over that. It's it's included on my YouTube video. Basically, he just Cameron comes in and acts like this is just such an easy objection, and he says, "No one created God," and discussion over. No need to worry. Blah blah blah. I don't even know if I want to include this in the podcast because it's kind of like this awkward pause and you can't see what I'm seeing. But the point is, he just thinks that's like just an easy objection, and I just think it's kind of silly and, and not necessary because it really isn't. Like, who created God? Like, should we just just take that for what it is? Like, God just immediately counts just because we insert traits of what God is. You know, God is X, Y, and Z, perfect, all powerful, all knowing. This, that, this, that without any evidence for why that is, we just assume, therefore, he doesn't need a, a cause because he is this all-powerful being. Well, then we have to analyze, you know, what is the evidence for him being this all-powerful being? You can't just say that and say there is a necessary being that created everything and then just be like, oh, it must be God that's this necessary being. Therefore, he doesn't need a creator, right? Obviously, I'm going to explain this stuff a little bit better later on here, but yeah, well, let's keep it continue. The video literally could have ended after about 20 seconds. No one created God. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it makes, it makes perfect sense. Now, I think... So, and this is where my, my major problem is. Because, like, I know it was an attempt to be silly, but, you know, saying God doesn't need a creator, you need something more. It doesn't make perfect sense. Just saying it makes perfect sense does not mean your viewer is like, yep, yep, it's it's settled. I don't need to worry about it. We're good to go. You know, let's just let them continue. <laughs> I think this question actually does raise a more interesting question. Namely, if no one created God, then why not just say that no one created the universe? Uh, and that's exactly what many say, uh, because who is the one? Why does it need to be this one creator? You know, if, if, and why do we need that for the universe? You need to prove that. And, and, and why not just say that no one created the universe, right? Well, we could say that. You know, what does the evidence say? And we'll be getting into this, but, you know, the assumption here is that we, the, there is a necessary creator when we can't, we haven't exactly proven that there's a necessary creator. Now, of course, he's going to go on and try to prove this point and we'll let him do that and I'll object to it. But kind of, I want to get my assumption out of the way here that we actually don't know if there is an, a necessity for a creator. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll look at what the science is saying as well. What's sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander. 
I'm definitely too young to be using that phrase. Anyways, this is the argument that Hemet should have used. So here's how Christian philosophers normally respond to this. God's being uncaused follows from a more fundamental property that he has, namely perfection. God is a perfect being. Now, so I promise my objections are not going to be just a bunch of questions, but his line of reasoning here, it raises so many more. So for one, let's let's say let's take this idea of defining this fundamental property of God as perfection. And I take this definition as it's it's kind of silly. Where is perfection in the universe? You know, like take a take a moment, step back and say, you know, how do I define perfection? What, what do I call perfection, right? And every one of us, although it will probably have similar traits of how to define perfection, we're probably going to have somewhat of a different definition. It's a very imprecise definition, a very imprecise way to describe something. Just simply saying it's perfect and that's why he doesn't need a cause. See, like what objective property constitutes perfection, And that's just it. If I were to define perfection, it would probably involve multiple properties or maybe multiple properties in the universe or or, or multiple adjectives or how to describe it. My main point is Cameron's claim here, it provides zero weight. It's very, and if it provides any weight at all, it's a very weak foundation to build upon. Just some really general terms and because, oh, he's perfect, therefore we don't, you know, he doesn't need, he doesn't need a cause. He already covered that. So, but let me def- allow him to define perfection here so we can go into it more. I don't want to just completely dismiss it, but you can see my issues with it, and I hope you see them as well. And it's actually incoherent to ask what created a perfect being, and I'll give two quick reasons for this. First, anything that could create a perfect being would have to be more perfect than perfect, but that's impossible. Second reason, whatever can be created can also be destroyed, but anything that can be destroyed in other words, anything that is fragile isn't perfect. So in the in the YouTube video, I kind of avoid addressing it. I kind of cut them out just because it, it didn't really add to his arguments necessarily. But here I want to be able to address it in the podcast because I feel like I can explain myself more and it's a little bit more worthwhile. But he, he keeps going back to throughout this video and you'll see this incoherence idea that it's incoherent to ask what created God. And that's that's a big assumption, and it's almost as as, as assumptuous. Is that even a word? <laughs> of saying like as the objection of who created God, right? If we're just gonna just say, oh, who created God, and not follow anything with with an argument of why that question is valid and a good criticism, then it's it's kind of pointless to say. You have to explain why it's incoherent. He doesn't really do that. He just basically says it's incoherent because oh, God is a perfect being. Well, you know, well. What does it even mean to be perfect, first of all, which I've kind of already alluded to, but the idea of perfection itself is a value judgment, which I've also alluded to. It doesn't just exist in the universe. That's the main point. It's a it's a subjective value that relies on the person defining what perfection is. So I'll raise the question, why would something not be perfect simply because it can be destroyed? So the assertion here is making, or he is making, is that indestructibility is better than destructibility. That's an assumption. We don't, we don't, that value claim isn't, you know, it's not object, it's not like an objective truth of the universe. You know, it's like saying like, you know, we can talk about living forever and how great it would be to live forever, but we don't actually know if that's a good thing or that's a great thing or it's a good value to try to strive for, or even if it's a value at all. 
there, maybe there's something good or valuable and there's a value in us having a finite existence, right? That's a similar idea, but I just inserted a value judgment there. If I say, actually, and then I give my reasons for why it's good that we're not living forever, yada, 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 basically because we're indestructible, therefore it's good, it's good value. The point is I have inserted a value judgment upon you. It's not something that's objectively exists in the universe. It's my subjective value claim that is based on my subjective opinion that I have given my reasons, my judgments, my my assumptions about, and you can take them from what you will. You can agree with my value judgment. You can agree with my argument for that value judgment. But at the end of the day, value judgments, yeah, I think there's better value judgments than others, right? I'm not saying it's just everything's everything's unequal or blah, blah, blah. The point is that I've given this value judgment. You can take my argument for what it is, but the point is it's not this objective property of the universe, which when we're talking about God, when we're talking about a creator, when we're talking about a creator of the universe, this objective property becomes important to build upon. The objective properties through whatever it is, like science, let's say. That's an objective property that's important to build upon. Value judgments is not a good way to build upon understanding the the like objective universe that we live in. So basically I could say is I could replace this value judgment of my own. Say let's okay, so let's say, but but anything that is indestructible isn't perfect. That's another value judgment I could say. You see, my value judgment claim is weightless. I made my own value judgment, not a statement that is logically necessary or an intrinsic part of the universe. That's the main point. But let's let them keep going. In the case of the universe, however, there's nothing at all incoherent about asking what created it. Sometimes skeptics and atheists respond to this by saying that Christians are sort of specially pleading for the God of Christianity or their God in particular. They're just sort of making up properties about their favorite concept of God and then saying that it's uncreated. But why can't we do that for the universe? Why can't we just make up stuff about the universe and then call it uncaused? Exactly. Why Why can't we do that for the universe? It's... It has the same, I keep saying this word, like this phrase, logical weight. It has the same, uh, I guess you could say, I would say it has more proof behind it because, you know, God is not doesn't exactly have all this proof behind it, which we don't want to get into those arguments today. And also, I know I'm rambling a lot this episode. I've done a little bit more unorganized style of episode for this one. I have organized content, but I have some of it where I'm just kind of going off the cuff a little bit more than I, I usually do. So if you guys do not like that, please let me know. I'll I try to play with different styles. Some people kind of like the free-flowing style more, so I try to do that sometimes. But anyway, so his point, why can't we just make up stuff about the universe and call it uncaused? I mean, so that wouldn't make sense for anything. That is making stuff up, right? The point is providing proof for why you don't need that cause. And Cameron hasn't really provided any proof of, say, the perfection of God, first of all. Like, why does God have that trait? And what about God makes him have that trait? And why, why even for him? I know it's a subjective value claim, but why even for him is God perfect? He's kind of just assuming that because he is a Christian. But I think for the sake of this type of argument, you need to demonstrate why he thinks God's perfect and why that value claim is important for talking about someone that does not need a cause when we're talking about the universe. And then also, why can't the universe have that trait of perfection? Well, maybe the universe is just per- perfect and therefore it doesn't need a cause. It's that, it's that style. So it basically what allows him not to be uncaused. So basically what I'm trying to say is it kind of seems like he is making up stuff and making up traits for, for 
you know, basically to fit his argument. But let's let him keep going. Remember, the claim is that it's actually incoherent to ask what created a perfect being. Now, on the other hand, is it incoherent to ask what created the universe? And the obvious answer is no. Why? Well, here's one reason. If the universe began to exist, then it must have a cause. So if we have good evidence for a beginning of the universe, then the universe has to have a cause, and it's not incoherent to ask what created the universe. It's also not incoherent to ask who created God. I just feel like I really need to put that point forward and assert that, right? So in this kind of his little monologue here, we seem to be moving on to some form of cosmological argument, which is good because that's what I want to get into. It gets into some good philosophy, but he never actually fully answered the question of what caused God. He's essentially alluding to this form of the cosmological argument by, by saying, in prim- let's, so I'm going to kind of lay it out as an argument. Premise one, there exists a series of events. Premise two, the series of events exist as cause and not necessary. Premise three, there must exist the necessary being that is the cause of all contingent beings. Therefore, in the conclusion, there must exist the necessary being that is the cause of the whole series of beings. And then this is where Christian apologists will say that this conclusion then follows that 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 starter, that cause of the chain is God. And this is kind of like the contingency argument as well, which is kind of like the cosmological argument. But the point is, it has some issues, but uh, we'll, we'll get into those in a bit. And at this point, you might be wondering, well, why think that the universe has to have a cause if it began to exist? The answer to that is that anything that begins to exist has a cause. I mean, you began to exist, right? I, I mean, I'm assuming you haven't been here forever and you have a cause, right? Sure, you might think, but why does that apply to the whole universe? I'll give two quick reasons for that. First, there's no, and this is, a, I guess, a little technical, there's no relevant difference between individuals and groups when it comes to needing a cause. So for example, this lens that I'm holding has a cause. Well, what about when I have two lenses? What if I had a billion lenses? Would the need for a cause suddenly vanish if I start to add on more stuff? Not a- so the, I want to stop it here because he doesn't, this is none of this is really supporting his argument, right? It doesn't really go to answer the question of who created God. It just brings up this this idea of needing causes, and you also kind of need to prove why you need causes. And and he brings up the lenses example, which is fine. Um, he's basically saying, "Hey, look, we see these things in the universe. They all have causes to us. Something created them. They have a cause, a beginning, an end. This demonstrates." A need for a cause is what he's saying. But you have to prove that point, which, like I said, we'll get into. But let's let him keep going. Not at all. And the same reasoning applies in the case of the universe. Just like we need an explanation for a billion lenses, we need an explanation for the billions of particles that make up our universe. Okay, so by that logic, we also need an explanation for the being that is God. But again... Like I said, what is the cause of God? But if we need an explanation for the universe in the form of God, right? God being perfect doesn't meet the criteria for why God doesn't need a cause. You can't base it on a subjective value claim of perfection. He doesn't need a cause because he's perfect. You need to provide proof that the subjective value claim of perfection leads to not needing a cause. Secondly, so 
I kind of that was just rehashing what I've kind of already said. Secondly, let's grant that God is perfect. Let's say he is. You still have God being some sort of a exception to the rule of everything needing a cause. Because you just said basically everything we see needs a cause. Everything. But just because God's perfect, like we can define other things in the in the universe as perfect. You know, what if I describe basically anything as perfect? What if I describe, you know, like what does it matter? Let's say it let's say I let's bring back the example of Rick Sanchez. Obviously, he's not a perfect being. But let's just say I say Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty is perfect. Does that mean now he doesn't need a cause? Like is it just the value of perfection equals not needing a cause? So that's kind of my issue there. So if God can be the exception to the rule, the universe itself can be an exception to the rule. They hold the same logical weight with regards to not needing this cause based on the argument that Cameron has put forward. So my point is, if you still can't get over the need for some, let's say, eternal entity, then you can just as easily replace God with, let's say, like energy that created the universe and claim that it's undergoing continual change. So to oversimplify for the sake of time, that seems to be what modern science is kind of saying which we'll, we'll get into in a second here. Second reason is that everything in our experience that begins to exist has a cause. And that's about as good empirical evidence that you can get of anything. So for these two reasons, it's pretty safe to say that if the universe began to exist, then it has a cause. But- okay, so now going off of his claim of everything in our experience that begins to exist has a cause. So for starters, this line of reasoning already opens up the possibility of this of this not occurring outside of our experience. We, so as humans, we have this very limited experience. We have our perceptions, you know, we, our, our, our senses that we use to perceive the external world. Our experience is very limited, right? So he's basing it off of our experience. It's basically saying something comes, so it's so like kind of moving past this a little bit. So it's basically saying that something comes from something, right? But consider this, okay, so nothing comes from nothing. That follows, right? But something does exist, right? We see that in the external world with our perceptions. Therefore, there has never been nothing. So we can say that it's possible that the something that currently exists has always existed. Maybe that something is always changing and is a feature feature of something such as physics, universe, and, and energy that can change into different forms. But the point is, this, this assumption of there was nothing, then something, but nothing comes from nothing. So the same kind of point is that it follows that something comes from something. And if something comes from something, something always existed. And if nothing comes from nothing, then nothing always existed. So it kind of shows me that, okay, something always existed. You can still get there through your reason. You don't need a cause just because we visually see, you know, let's say you, you, a creator of a smartphone, which he's going to use an example of this in a bit here. Someone created the smartphone, right? It didn't live forever. It hasn't been around forever. Someone created that, but that doesn't follow that just be everything in our universe had a starting point like this smartphone. That's the assumption, and it doesn't follow necessarily. But let's keep going. But why can't we just say that the universe has been here forever, that it's eternal? So putting aside whether or not like 
the evidence actually points that direction. Let's just go ahead and assume that the universe is eternal. Does that make it literally incoherent to ask what created or what explains the universe? Not at all. Assuming you have one, take a look at your smartphone. I mean, you know that your phone hasn't existed forever, right? But just let's let's pretend that it has. Doesn't it still seem obvious that this thing has some kind of explanation for why it exists? Like, why does an eternal smartphone exist instead of an eternal computer? Why does it have the shape of a smartphone? Here's another more like technical way of asking this question. The category smartphones has at least one member in it. But the question is why? Why does it have one member? Why isn't it not just empty? It seems perfectly possible that it could be empty, so why isn't it empty? Saying the phone has existed forever is just sort of saying like, well, the category isn't empty. But that doesn't explain why it's not empty. And so now ask yourself, are any of these questions that I'm asking like literally incoherent? Do they lead to some kind of contradiction? Not at all. And so... Uh, yes, it, it is a contradiction, actually. So he is essentially rehashing what has already been said with an analogy. So the problem with his argument, and I know I've kind of said this, and I feel like I'm repeating it myself a lot in the, this podcast, so I apologize, but he just <laughs> he keeps like avoiding the point. Obviously, we're not in a dialogue. I'm just like commenting on his video, but it is. It's, it's frustrating because he assumes so, so, so much. So the problem with his argument is that it builds on this really weak foundation. The foundation that God is perfect, therefore he doesn't need a cause. And it just, there's not a lot, a lot of weight there. And it's really, it's kind of actually really just frustrating. But let's let them finish. So up. it follows that the universe and a perfect being or God are not on par when it comes to explanation. To summarize, we saw that it was really, 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 really easy to respond to him. It's original argument. Who created God? No one. Does that make any sense? Yes. Okay, so I, I try to hold off on criticizing his argument style with his with his various um, uh, choices, such as the water drinking and the really, really, really easy to dismantle. Just because I get it, it's for some of it's for entertainment purposes. I am definitely not innocent of doing this. I've done it in this podcast right now. Um, but saying it's really, really, really easy to dismantle the original argument is just—it's just kind of silly when you never actually express where the question of who created God originates from. Because that's my other frustrating part of this video—is he kind of just takes that question and just assumes that's all that's involved with that question. When in reality, who created God? There's very much an argument that is involved with that, and I've kind of went into that with, through my objections of the something from something, for example, where it's like, okay, where you say like, who, who created, like Christians like to say, who created the universe? You know, that's a great question. Does it need to be a someone? Is it, it doesn't need to be this, this like self type of being necessarily. We don't have proof for that. Um, and maybe science can explain it. Maybe something has always just existed. Why does there need to be a starting point? Uh, that type of thing. And, and I'm going to kind of get into this here. This is where I kind of have my more abstract uh, kind of point to make. So this is where I bring up my alternative theory and bring in some quantum physics courtesy of Carlo uh, Rovelli. Let's, so he's kind of this really popular uh, 
physicist. So let's get a little bit more abstract. So now this is a possible response to this idea of always needing this cause and effect and thinking with the beginning and this end perception, kind of just the way our stories work, the way movies work, all that stuff, everything we see in the world, we perceive it through this lens of a starting point and an end point. You know, we existed at a starting point. Our self was created. We created ourself. We started as a baby and then we go on and we die beginning and we see life around us have this beginning and end i'm really trying to put this point forward we see the world through this lens of cause and effect beginning and end right this idea of needing a cause very much extends from our perception of lateral time we see it in our stories like i said but according to carlo i quote him here there is no time variable in the fundamental equations that describe the world so carlo contends Human perception of time is just that. It's just a perception, a perspective on the reality we live in. This perception does not equate to this universal truth of the universe, this universal truth of time, this universal truth of cause and effect beginning and an end. So such as beginning and an end, like I said. So it's a theory of seeing the universe in this constant state of flux, this constant movement, constant change. It's like you take a stone We see a stone and you can have a stone your whole life and you basically will never see change in it throughout your existence. If you just like leave it in your house, it's not going to change like at all, right? But even that stone is is still, we might not be able to see it, but it's continually changing. It's always has been. It's always been the state of transformation. We can't really pinpoint when the beginning was of that. So in enough time or through the perception of time, that stone will take on a new form. It's always taking on a new form. It's always moving. It's always changing. Even a stone, even a rock, something we see as so foundational, like we even in our terms, a lot of times people describe a foundation as a bedrock, right? Even the bedrock that we build upon, that is changing, right? It's creating a new form. The point being, our understanding of time extends from where we are in the universe, and that is Earth. Earth has this unique relationship to the universe, the way it moves, the flow that it's in. You know, the the distance from the sun involves it. I don't actually don't know that point for sure, but it it makes sense in my head. So, So basically my point is it helps create for us the perceivers of the world that we are in, the earth that we are on, the universe that we are in. It creates a sensation of order in our place on earth. Because we like to live in a, in a sense of order. Our perception of time on, on earth does not equate to the same reality of time being an inherent part of the universe. It's kind of a fluke. So why I'm, I'm talking about time? Just because time really directly correlates with this idea of needing this beginning and an end idea. And if we can kind of shatter this idea of time for ourselves, of how we see lateral time and how we perceive time, maybe we can begin comprehending what it is to take in the idea or the possibility that there's always been something. Because even in the Big Bang Theory, there's the idea within it that there always was just something, some form of energy, whatever it is. So that idea of not necessarily being a necessity needing a cause. And if you don't need a cause, then that kind of saying that God's proof is because you need a cause, once you prove that you don't need a cause, all of a sudden that argument for God goes out the window. And that seems to be a lot of a one that a lot of religious people still fall back on, or believers in God still fall back on, is the need for a cause. And if we shatter that one, who knows what could happen? But 
So our world appears ordered. We link cause and effect, the need for a cause based on our perception. And our perception is just one small part in the grand scheme of the universe we live in. So maybe the better question is, does the universe even need a cause? And if you, based on what I've been saying in this podcast, and the answer is no, probably not. But I'm also not going to pretend to be very sure of that and be open to the possibility very much that I am wrong. But like I said, or like I like to, blah, blah, I don't even know where I went with that. But anyway, that concludes this episode. Thanks for watching. Please hit that subscribe button and uh, rate and review on iTunes. That helps the podcast out as well. Check out the YouTube, Patreon, all that good stuff. Uh, Hit me up if this was too much of a rambling episode and you did not like it. But as always, thanks for listening and peace.